Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, welcome into today's 48 Days Online Radio Show. This is Dan Miller, where each week we take 48 minutes and unpack some of the real-life questions, things that we all address, things that we deal with. You know, there's a lot of opportunities, but there's also a lot of challenges. We know that. We like to cover both here, both the opportunities, the success stories, and the challenges. Our sponsor today is Audible. Com. You hear me talk about them a lot because I believe in the power of reading or listening to great books. Now, I'm going to give you both today. Some books are only available in print, but a whole lot of them. Audible has over 150,000 titles. You can get a 30-day free trial of their program, and I recommend it highly. You can go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and choose a free book. And as usual, I'll be giving you some of my suggestions today. Well, here's our theme for today, and that is good intentions are not enough. I'm going to let you stew on that a little bit. We'll come back to that in a little bit. I'll tell you some of the other questions we're going to be dealing with today. Somebody says, Dan, I got fired from my job in August of 2013. And no, it was the best thing that happened to me. Obviously, there's a but beyond that. I mean, we're talking a year at this point, we'll, we'll talk about that. How do you go about handling your speaking fees and taxes? Well, that's pretty easy. We'll discuss that. Somebody says, I've been working for a company for over 20 years and need a change. You know, that's really true. You know, you have to recognize the old days of just being loyal in a position, getting a pat on the back because you've been there 20 years, pretty much gone. New companies looking at you may raise their eyebrows wonder what's going on if you've been at the same place, the same job for 20 years. It's viewed a little differently. We'll talk about that. Here's somebody says, Dan, I've just come to terms with the fact that I don't like sales. All right. <clears throat> we'll discuss where you are if you don't like sales and what your opportunities are going to be. Someone says, I've always wanted to start my own business, but the risk to my family scares my wife and me. Great questions. As always, we got some super success stories I want to share with you, but our quotation for the day comes from Peter Drucker, who said, good intentions are no excuse for incompetence or poor results. Now, you know, I brought that up because I've encountered so many people recently who are working maybe in a nonprofit or working, you know, at a church, of course, that is a nonprofit or a university or some kind of organization out here and they're really struggling. There's no proven results, but they just have to console themselves with the fact that they're trying to do good in the world. Well, Peter Drucker says that's an illusion. You know, he says you can become a philosopher or there's a temptation to become cosmic. He says where people too often try to justify what they're doing because they're doing good, even if they're not doing well. And he says, good intentions are never an excuse for incompetence. And the manager who believes that social consciousness is a substitute for managing his business or his hospital or his university so that it produces the results for the sake of which it exists is either a fool or a knave or both. 
Now, there's a lot of applications for that. We won't dwell there, but good intentions are never an excuse for incompetence or poor results. That applies to a whole lot of people. You know a whole lot of people that I know. Just keep your radar up and see how that plays out in the next week or so. Well, I did mention Audible Podcast. I want to give you a recommendation real quick. I have a lot of people that ask about my books. One of the recent ones was the one that I did with my son, Jared. You've heard me talk about that. Wisdom meets passion. You know, we, we want both wisdom and passion. This is not where you have passion when you're young. And then as you become older, you get wisdom and passion diminishes. Not at all. I mean, that, nothing is sadder than somebody who's old, who has no passion. Passion is gone. Well, I certainly don't want that for myself. Don't want it for you. We want both. Wisdom meets passion talks about how we engage both. And it doesn't matter if you're 18 or 88, how do you engage the best of both your passion and wisdom? We talk a lot about authenticity. Talk about the fact that if you talk to people who are approaching death, the biggest regret bar none, nothing is a close second. The biggest regret is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life authentic to myself rather than living out the expectations of others. Well, you can listen to wisdom meets passion. Jared and I read it, read it all the way through. You can listen to that at audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. You can get a free copy of wisdom meets passion. I'm going to tell you some others you can get here in a minute, but that's a great one. And I encourage you to listen to that. We get a lot of reports back about how it has moved and inspired people to listen to wisdom meets passion. Now here's a success story. This comes from Jonathan. He says, I want to drop you a line. Thank you for your podcast and your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I've spent the last year working for a good company in what most would consider a great job, making an excellent salary. The only problem was that I loathed my job. I found the work relentless, taxing, ultimately meaningless. I wanted to do something that mattered, yet nothing in my work could accomplish this. At the pit of my woes, I talked to a close friend who recommended your book and podcast, so I read it. I listened in the car to the podcast during my commute. Dan, thank you for getting me to think outside the box. Thanks for encouraging me to no longer endure mediocrity and dissatisfaction and that no salary is worth such endurance. As I said, I want my work to matter. When people ask what I do, I want to be enthusiastic, not embarrassed. I want the work of my hands to be something of which I could be proud. And as of today, I've left my old job. I've enrolled in graduate school to pursue doing what I really love. Thanks for your inspiration and support, Dan. You've helped take what I thought were only estranged dreams and turn them into concrete realities. Well, Jonathan, Jonathan Rorick, thanks for your note. Congratulations on making that move. You know, I'm always touched when I hear stories about people who took action after reading 48 Days to the Work You Love. I can't tell you how excited I am about the new release that's coming of that book. Now, I'm grateful for all the stories that we hear, but I think, oh my goodness. I mean, I wrote that 10 years ago. I've changed in 10 years. I know more now than I did 10 years ago. And the new release has has new chapters, a whole lot of new updates, new resources in there. I can't wait to release it because I know that it's going to take things to a, a higher level. Now, this comes from Jim Woods. Now, Jim has been around the 48 Days community for a long time oftentimes sends me great notes and inspiring things, but this is really cool. Jim says, Dan, most mornings I ride the bus to work so I can write, read, and reflect before I arrive at my day job. 
A few weeks ago on the bus, I noticed a young man sitting by himself wearing a ripped t-shirt, faded pants, completely covered in paint. Then I noticed he was reading a book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Instead of engaging in idle chatter, listening to music, or sitting in silence with a scowl on his face, waiting for his stop, as many do, this young man was doing something intentional to improve his life. While this is just one step in his journey, purchasing a book, taking the initiative to say, I want something better, it's often the most important first step. I have to respect anyone who takes that step. While most people see a paint-covered young man in shabby clothes, I see a leader in training. Well, Jim, thanks for that note. Man, I love the way you frame that. You see a leader in training. You know, we have to look past sometimes just what the surface is and give people the benefit of a doubt and be encouraged, be optimistic about expecting that they're moving to their own greatness. What a great story. Now, here's what I'm going to, this is going to be the last one I'm going to share today. This comes from Michael McGreevy. Well, he tells about his connection with us here. This is a great story. Just got this yesterday. Dan, I want to thank you for everything you've done to flip my world upside down. I was raised with the understanding that the ideal job provides security and benefits. Grind out 30 plus years and you'll be rewarded with a good retirement. But that model never seemed to fit me. Consequently, I felt stupid and undisciplined. I've always had a heart to help people, but I was convinced that I could never make a living doing what I love. Everything changed when I showed up at the sanctuary for coaching with excellence. I walked away thrilled at the prospect of becoming a coach. I immediately signed up for the coaching mastery program, and I'm now a certified 48 days coach and doing the work I love. Recently, I met the lead dancer choreographer for Jennifer Lopez on an airplane. I remember just an insert here. I remember Michael talking about that because it was on his way to one of our mastermind events here. And he's in my mastermind, but he says we connected and I've been in contact for the past few months. I regularly have offered him value, not expecting anything in return. Last week, he shared with me the contact information and personal situations of 15 of his closest friends in the entertainment industry. He reached out to each one of them and suggested that they work with me. I've already received four responses interested in coaching. My business is starting to explode. You've given me everything I need to become a successful coach. And most of all, you've helped me believe in myself. Thank you, Dan. Well, we're going to insert this right here. That's a great story to end on Michael's sharing how he met a guy that has now linked him to 15 of his friends and recommended him for coaching four of them and already responded. And that's the way that it works. That's the way that it goes. Not rocket science, having a clear plan, clear direction, building your confidence and your competence. And all of a sudden, guess what? Those new doors of opportunity just seem to magically start to open. Now, I want to talk a little bit about coaching with excellence. Uh, we, we put a note out and I, I told people that I was going to mention some of the people that are coming. Now, a lot of these people that are coming to coaching with excellence here in a couple of weeks, it's uh, August 28th and 29th. I'm doing something really exciting right after that. I'll share that in a week or so. I'm going to be uh, going to a, a 20 year anniversary of Shawshank Redemption up in Ohio, but a really cool thing that we've been invited to, and we're going to participate in that. But right before that is coaching with excellence on August 28th and 29th. But here's some of the people that are going to be coming. 
I'll give you some of the locations as well. Uh, Dan Barber from Ontario, Canada is going to be here. Roland Edwards, Kansas City, Missouri. Camelia Craigus from Park City, Utah. Stephanie Bottle from Pittsburgh. Kingsley Grant from Miami, Florida. Um, Sai Fukugawa. He's been a client of mine. He and his wife are coming from Maui, Hawaii to join us. Sam Burton, longtime friend from down at Atlanta, is going to be here. Uh, Scott Smith, who looks like he's from right here in Brentwood, Tennessee. Mickey Vandulo from Barteslo, Illinois. Jim Jenkins, North Carolina. Greg Gilbert, Washington, Arkansas. Michael Skiff, Fort Knox, Kentucky. Pablo Baez from Milwaukee, Kim Yarborough from Garner, North Carolina, uh, Honeycutt Graham from Nashville, Enrique from Hendersonville, Tennessee, Dave Benson from Duluth, Minnesota, Tim Davis from Berlin, Pennsylvania, Will Perry, Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Those are just some of the people. Of course, Sutton Parks is going to be here, and you're going to get to meet Kent Julian, hear his story about his transition into coaching. But those are some of the people that you're going to be rubbing shoulders with here at Coaching with Excellence. Now, Coaching with Excellence is the event that has launched the coaching businesses today of many, many people that you see in the 48 days community. We had to go back and kind of recapture. I mean, there've been hundreds of people that have come through that and we get stories just like Michael McGreevy who boom, all of a sudden he's out there uh, coaching and uh, doing the things that he thought he was destined to do. He just needed a plan, came here and got a plan. What we do at coaching with excellence. The first day we work on coaching principles, the dynamics of coaching, how to engage with people, how to, move them through the process of coaching, how to keep them accountable, how to help them find their own solutions. I mean, that's what we do in coaching. And we only have people who have backgrounds, some in counseling, certainly, but a lot of people who come out of academic environments. We have a lot of professionals, uh, maybe physicians, attorneys, dentists, people like that, who decide they want to coach in their professional area. Um, Karen, Karen O'Donnell has an interesting story. She's a dentist up in Chicago, and she has a really unique application of coaching with other dentists, showing them the power of storytelling to engage their clients while they're being worked on, but also to build client loyalty. Just some really neat applications that we've seen coming out of the Coaching with Excellence gang that has come through. So if you got an area and you'd like to develop your own coaching, Golly, jump in there, grab a seat. We cap it at 48 people, so it won't be more than that. We'll cap it. It'll be sold out, and we'll have 48 people crammed in here in the sanctuary for two days. The first day where we learn the dynamics of coaching. The second day where we talk about building the business. How do you build a business? Even if you're competent as a coach, if you don't have people coming in the door or connecting with you via the internet or over the phone, you aren't building a business. How do you do that? How do you build the kind of practices we talk about here and we show you, we have a model where we show you how to generate $150,000. That's kind of a benchmark for what we expect people to do if they find their core message and then engage that, make it available for people through coaching and through creating other things where people can access that core message that you have. So if you've already found yourself being asked questions about parenting or marriage or sports and nutrition, whatever it happens to be. Hey, check out the Coaching with Excellence. Just go to the 48days.com site. You can see the link there to our live events. Get all the information there and connect with Ashley about the details of coming here to the sanctuary. 
Now let's go to some questions here. Alan from Nashville says, I was fired from my job in August of 2013. And I knew it was the best thing that happened to me over the past year while working on my own business. There have been some jobs that really grabbed me and I applied and in some cases interviewed for when asked why I was fired. I've been completely honest, told them it was because I poorly managed my post-traumatic stress disorder, but that I've been seeking help and have learned from it so I can better manage it. I feel that when I tell a potential employer this, in some cases, it disqualifies me from the job. I recently asked an interviewer why I didn't get the job and was told it was a cultural issue, not my skills. Can you provide some insight on how I can better present myself? Yes, Alan, don't ever tell a potential employer you're dealing with PTSD. I mean, just don't. And here's the reason why. I mean, you, you may expect them to be empathetic and understanding. They aren't. <laughs> I mean, right? yeah, that's going to be a red flag. Why would they risk bringing you on board once you tell them that when they have 20 other people standing in line? It's just not going to happen. You're going to disqualify yourself every time. Absolutely. Now, here's the deal. Let's back up on this a little bit. That doesn't mean to present employers as just cold, uncaring, impersonal. Not at all. But just think about what's happening. For one thing, let's look at the idea of post-traumatic stress disorder. That is a very elusive diagnosis. It means it implies that it's a mental health condition that's triggered by a terrifying event. And it could be something that you experienced personally or witnessed it. So it's not just those who have been overseas in war. I mean, that's certainly the, the best known application of PTSD. But it could be somebody who witnessed a violent act right here in the United States. You know, in Chicago, and you saw somebody get killed just right outside your car. Or you had something happen in your home. Or you you know, fell through a crevice and when you were snowboarding and, you know, were trapped for three hours. I mean, any of those things, any kind of a terrifying incident can then trigger flashbacks, nightmares, severe anxiety. But that's the deal. It's so elusive. It's like, we aren't sure exactly what that's going to mean. I mean, take some of the terms like ADHD or ADD. So you have attention deficit disorder. I mean, think about how widely that's used to describe any child who doesn't like to sit still in their seat and color inside the lines. It's just way too elusive. And that's certainly true with post-traumatic stress disorder. It covers a, just an abundance of any kind of stress that somebody may experience, but it's going to put you immediately in the, why would we risk dealing with that? I mean, they, it's not their obligation to care for you and nurture you back down. I would pose it in a much, much different way. If you have been fired multiple times, that's not a big deal, really. I mean, people aren't going to go back and check all those things and see why you were no longer there. I mean, they shouldn't even know that you were fired. If you are presenting yourself and have a resume of your, where you were in jobs, they shouldn't know that you were fired. I mean, the fact that you chose to move on or the company chose to have you move on is really not a big deal. I mean, companies that are looking at you as a candidate are going to be looking at you right then and there. They're not going to go back and call those companies and try to figure out why you were no longer there. And actually, those companies aren't going to tell that you were fired anyway. They risk being 
open to liability issues if they do that. So they're just going to say, yes, he was employed here from March until November. No, he's no longer here. They aren't going to say, geez, the guy was a real jerk. He was irresponsible and not a chance. So you determine what the new potential employer knows about you. And you can tell them that you're still trying to kind of find your perfect place. You're evaluating your skills. You're wanting to understand yourself better. I mean, you can do a lot of that, but do not tell them that you are poorly, that you poorly manage your post-traumatic stress disorder. It's going to cut off any opportunities for you at all. All right, this is, here's a question from Dave who says, how do you go about handling your speaker fees and taxes? I've recently started speaking a lot, mostly at churches, and usually get anywhere from 150 to $500 for speaking. I've kept track of all the money I made through this, but I'm not sure how to go about it when it comes to taxes and claiming it. Any thoughts or advice would be much appreciated. Well, Dave, speaking is, is no different than if you were mowing yards or washing windows or delivering newspapers, you know, on the side, anything where you make money is just shown as miscellaneous income on your taxes and rightfully so. I mean, very legitimate, just do it that way. But in your case here, where you really are a speaker and you're going to start showing income from that, then you'll want to also track expenses. So if you drive somewhere, you deduct the mileage. You know, if you have other expenses connected with that, you ran off something, you have handouts, you ran by Kinko's and spent $36 to get handouts for the group that you're going to speak to, then you deduct that as an expense. So you start to categorize your speaking as a real business and what you'll show then are both expenses and income and certainly be taxed on the net profit at the end of the day. Not complicated. Just work with your accountant or bookkeeper. Just make sure you do keep good records and include that. Now, this comes from Todd Stocker, who says, Dan, last week's podcast handled the question, should I use my personal name or a branded name for my online presence? Here's what I'm doing for what it's worth. Now, last week, somebody asked why I use 48 days rather than Dan Miller. And we talked about that, talked about other companies, talked about that person, talked about Dave Ramsey is really branded around his name rather than the Lampo Group or Financial Peace. You know, he's got other kind of subtitles that are certainly popular, but his real company is Dave Ramsey. I've chosen to do 48 days and I talked about a variety of reasons why I've just chosen that, but it's not, it's not a ironclad rule by any means. You can decide Todd describes a situation here where he's done both, which is kind of cool. Todd says, as a pastor, I started my blog five years ago after the death of my daughter at toddstocker.com. As years went by, I found that half were church folks, the others from the business world. I felt a conflict trying to monetize my personal blog and also handle the non-church related topics. So upon the advice of the 48 Days community, I'm launching my business site on September 1st called thelifeshop.com. It's shop, S-H-O-P-P-E. This will focus on helping people live the life they were meant to live by rediscovering their passion and purpose and living life without regret. All along with the podcast and recommendations, thelifeshop.com will provide how-to strategies and resources such as an affiliate link to 48 Days. The separation allows me to go back to the original purpose of my personal toddstocker.com blog as spiritual, inspirational, and devotional thoughts. For me, the separation has been wonderful already as it allows me to reconnect with those who have followed me all these years through the journey of loss and hope while creating a separate platform through which life advice, ideas, and resources can be shared. 
By the way, my podcast bumper is hosted by a 48 Days community member, Pete Herrick. Sounds great. Again, the podcast launches September 1st. Well, thanks. And T says, thanks for all you do, Dan. I feel like Aristotle, the eagle ready to launch. Well, thanks for your note. Todd, and I think it sounds perfect what you've done to have two different ones. One is your personal name and one is a business name because they really are, you've identified a different focus. With me, I don't really have that. I mean, everything that I do is, is in one, I mean, 48 days, I share all my personal stuff there. Uh, When we do, you know, Instagram photos are on Facebook about personal things that are happening here or show the other day we had a bunch of people over here and had some little kids who we had three of them pulling the rope on the zip line where one little kid had gone down and then they need to be pulled back up. I mean, the adults are running back and forth. We had three little kids who were pulling the rope back up and it's really a sweet picture. Those kind of things we just share on the 48 days, Facebook, Instagram sites everywhere. We just plaster them everywhere. So things are pretty integrated, but uh, I commend you on what you're doing. Incidentally, Todd says, I feel like Aristotle, the Eagle ready to launch. Got another question here from Samuel. Samuel Neff, who says, I love your show, even though I'm a very happy employee. After hearing your description of the Eagle, I looked on your site, hoping to purchase a replica. Do you have them available for sale? If not now, are you planning on making them available in the future? Thanks for everything you do. Yes, yes, yes. Great question. You're reading my, reading my mail ahead of the fact you're absolutely, you've heard me talk about the new bronze sculpted Eagle that we have that we call Athena. Now, Aristotle's the other one in the cedar tree. These two look at each other. So we decided we needed a a female to complement the male. So the new one is Athena, um, goddess of compassion and empathy. So it's fitting for the kind of things that we do. But we are having replicas of Athena made. I have just approved the final one. Had a couple made, and I thought they were a little too lightweight. I wanted something heavier, more substantial. But we've got the exact replica. And the cool thing about the way we do, they can do sculptures at this point. He didn't, Scott didn't have to sculpt, carve out a little one. It is computer generated, so it is an exact, absolutely exact replica of the big one that's out in front of the sanctuary. They're going to be about 14 inches high. I have one sitting here in the office now. It's on a beautiful walnut base. It's got a little plaque underneath. It says 48 days. They're going to be numbered and it says dream, plan, act. And it shows that eagle just coming off the branch. Those are going to be available. You know, I should have them in the next, I don't know, in the next two weeks or so. I'll check with uh, Chuck Bowen, who's coordinating the production of those, but they've been approved. We are going to have them. I'm really jazzed about that. Thanks for asking. Incidentally, this afternoon, as I speak here, one of the celebrity photographers here in the Franklin area, David Molnar. Some of you may recognize that name. He's going to be out here to do a photography session out here. David is somebody, now this is the way, you know, things work in the 48 days community, but, but David was one who accessed the original document that I did a couple years ago now about how to create your own mastermind group. Well, he did, and it has so transformed his life and business that he feels a deep debt of gratitude. Now, I didn't require that. I mean, he purchased a product, but that's the, that's the thing about over-delivering, about creating products and services where people's lives are changed, and they do feel 
a sense of gratitude. And I'm grateful for that. But uh, David, uh, being a celebrity photographer, I mean, he does album or like CD jewel cases for Mercy Me and a lot of well-known music artists. He's the guy who does all that work in the photography. Beautiful, beautiful work that he does. But he wanted to come out here and do something just to show his appreciation. So he's coming out this afternoon is going to do uh, photographs of both Aristotle and Athena right here when the foliage around those is looking its very best. We have crepe myrtle that's in bloom. So we want to do some dramatic photos of things around the property here as we're getting ready for yet one more update on our website. So 48 days, we updated about every two years. We're getting ready. We've already got a the, the mirror site built where all the changes are being made right now, but we intend to have that up with the timing of the release of the new edition of 48 days to the work you love January 1st. So anyway, just a note about one of the things, one of the things that's happening here. And again, in the way that I just share what's going on, people stop by the sanctuary a lot this week, this very week we have had, two, I'm thinking two, I think perhaps three young couples who have moved right here close to the sanctuary. People who came here for events and then ended up moving here. Now, one of those is Andy Traub. Most of you are familiar with Andy. I mean, we're doing some projects together at this point. He's helping to coordinate my mastermind, a 48 days mastermind. But Andy lived in Sioux City, uh, um, South Dakota. Yeah, South Dakota. And they just moved here, got tired of the cold winters, and they moved right south of Franklin here, just moved here. We're delighted to have them in in the area. Another family was Jamie and Ruthie Slingerland, who, again, they came to one of our events and were blown away at the beauty of the area here in Franklin and also the the intellectual community here, the things that are happening with so many people here. And they decided to move here, sold their house in Buffalo, New York, moved here, bought a house about three quarters of a mile from where I live, right close by here. So we had them and a couple other families out here, Ashley, my daughter and her kids. So we had a whole bunch of kids out here Sunday night, kids going down to zip line, taking turns, riding around on a tractor and having a great time. But we welcome, uh, we don't want everybody to move to Franklin, Tennessee by any means, but it was just listed as one of the 10 top family town, family friendly towns in America. And certainly people find it attractive. Um, let me just in, insert this here real quick, just as a reminder. You're hearing a lot of questions on here. People submit questions every day, all day long. This is one of the places where I can pull a few of those and answer them. So we welcome your questions. If you've got a, a question, a tough situation that you're confronted with, just go to 48days.com, click on the podcast link. You'll see a place there where you can submit it, or you can just send it into 48 days. Ask Dan at 48days.com. You can use that email address and it comes directly to me as well. Sam says, I've been working through the 48 days process and I'm working on my resume for the first time ever in my life. I've been working for a company for over 20 years and need a change. How do I handle the interview process with working full-time position during the day? I certainly don't want current, my current employer to know I'm looking elsewhere. I may eventually stay here, then work on something on the side. Thanks for your input on this. You know, I'm going to bring up the little song that Todd and Emily Marriott recently did for us, 48 Days. This is a good place to look at that. You've been at the same job for 20 years. You need a change. Hey, check this out. In the J-O-B. 
set me free I've had enough of this This life is meaningless These hours don't pay enough This work is just so tough I need to get away The clock is ticking so don't delay That beautiful new song from Todd and Emily. You can find them at giftysong.com. They did that for us again. One of those things where it's just the way we're connected in the 48 days community. People share readily gifts and talents. And it was just a wonderful thing to see happening. Now, let me go to a question here. Let's say it's, she says to keep the job, keep her name anonymous, which I'll do. Dan, I'm a huge fan of your show. I've been in sales for a while and I've used your strategy from 48 days to the work you love to get a job selling something I absolutely love. The problem is I've just come to terms that I don't like sales. I realized this when you described in last week's podcast about how emotionally drained you would be if you were talking to people all day. I'm an introvert and I've worked so hard to be outgoing that I've stopped searching for my heart's desires. I'd like to start an information site while still putting 110% into my day job. My question is, what's a reasonable time frame to replace 50% of my current income? Thanks for all you do. Okay, you've got a, several different questions there. And, and I love your question. And it's so timely because just this week, the brainstorming session that we did on our Tuesday night session my guest was Pierce Mars, who heads up the relationship sales group in 48days.net. I'm going to refer you to that because it's a great place to go because we addressed it in detail this whole idea of selling. So I, I've, you've got two parts to your question here. I'm going to address the last part first, where you say you'd like to start an information site. What's a reasonable time frame to replace 50% of your current income? With an information site, the kind of things that we typically are doing I like to project that you can replace your income entirely in six months. If you can't do that, then I think we're looking at a hobby, something you do on the side, and that's okay. But if you're really serious about it, I think that with focused effort, you ought to be able to replace your income, whatever it is that you're making within six months. So with that formula, yeah, I think you ought to be at about 50% in 90 days. If you have a clear plan, your products and services you're doing in about 90 days, even if you're doing it part-time. So there's that. But now let me go back to the real statement that you're making. And I'm going to kind of generalize here because you're saying that you recognize you just don't like sales, but what you're really saying is you don't like the kind of sales that requires you to go out and do face-to-face, nose-to-nose, belly-to-belly contacts. That's Those are two different things. You may not like that kind of selling, But please don't allow yourself to think that you don't like selling because everyone sells. We all are selling. It doesn't matter if you're a school teacher, if you're mowing yards, if you're a brain surgeon, attorney, 
pastor, stay-at-home mom. We all sell. You may just be selling an idea. If you have a job that you've had for three years, you're selling yourself every day when you go in there. You better understand that you are because if you don't sell the value of what you're doing today, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. If you don't sell the value of what you're doing today, you're in real jeopardy. You're going to be gone. So we're all selling. But now let me tell you the elements of selling. There are four components of effective selling. 40% is developing rapport and trust. If people don't trust you, it doesn't matter what you have. They're not going to buy. I mean, you can offer $10 bills for eight bucks and they aren't going to buy if they don't trust you. 30% is identifying the need. Does this person need what it is that you have, what you're offering? If they don't go, don't go on. I mean, don't pressure them into something they don't need. 20% is product knowledge or product presentation. And 10% is what we call gaining commitment. So that's the process. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you, if you're a missionary in Haiti, you still use that process. 40, 30, 20, 10. And it doesn't matter if you're selling your watches on the streets of Chicago. You, you still have to use that same process. What you have to do is figure out what kind of selling fits you. If you're not comfortable with face-to-face, could you be an account rep where you have a high-end product and you do your prospecting over the internet? Sure. Could you be somebody who's very introverted, as this gentleman says, and do selling where you promote birdhouses in the back of magazines and you've experimented with the wording in the, the sales copy, you've experimented with the colors, you've experimented with the price point, and you find a formula that really draws great results, and you make $200,000 this year, and you never see or talk to a customer. Sure, you can do that. I mean, when you think about the things that we do at 48 Days, I mean, most of you are pretty familiar with that. I mean, we sell lots of things here. We sell lots of things while I'm doing the podcast. In the time that you've been listening to this podcast, there've been a whole lot of people who have purchased things from us here at 48 days. I never talked to them, never saw them, you know, don't know who they are. They came to our store. We've done a lot of things to create rapport and trust, just like this podcast. That's part of building rapport and trust. This is part of a sales process. Yeah, I know I'm a nice guy and I just give it away. And lots of you thank me for that. But certainly it's intentional because it's building rapport and trust. And those people move through the sales cycle and then see things that we offer and readily pull out their credit cards and checkbooks, you know, and make purchases. And there's no secret about how that works. But selling ultimately is just sharing enthusiasm. If you go to a great restaurant and you tell 15 people about it, you're selling. If you see a movie and you just know that your friends have to see it, you're selling. So it's sharing enthusiasm. If you aren't selling, if you say you are not going to be in sales, that means you don't have enthusiasm about anything. You aren't going to be much fun to be around. And there's nobody that's going to want you on their team. It's just that clear. You have to accept the idea that you are in sales. Yes, you can find a model of selling that fits you. But if you think you're trying to avoid sales, you're going to put a real low ceiling on your possibilities. Now, let me give you a couple more books that are going to help you in this. I'm going to give you just three. I could give you 20, but I'm going to give you my three top picks, perhaps, for helping yourself be more comfortable with selling. And again, you can get 
a free audio copy of any of these. If you're not yet a member of Audible, just go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. Audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. You can get a free copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Old, old book. Can't go wrong. It's an amazing book at helping you develop the relationships that lead to effective selling. Number two, Secrets of Closing the Sale by Zig Ziglar. Wonderful book, lots of different kinds of examples about different kinds of selling, how to handle objections, how to develop the relationships, again, that lead to extraordinary income in selling, as Zig certainly was an example of. So that's Secrets of Closing the Sale. The third one, again, you can get from audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. This is a new one, Selling with Noble Purpose. How to Drive Revenue and Do Work That Makes You Proud. Lisa McLeod is the author of that one. So get used to the idea of selling. Hold your head high and do it with excellence. That's the way to thrive in today's environment. Well, Nate Miller says, today I was reading Proverbs 15, and in verse 22, it talks about the wisdom in having a number of counselors. Thanks to your wise counsel, I'm working on my business plan and preparing to launch an awesome business soon. And I want to have people in place to help me identify the most successful path possible. The 48days.net community has been a wonderful help, but I would like to gather a small group of people to act as my advisory committee. Specific people I can be accountable to. An Eagles group would be perfect for this, but I don't think I will begin one until after I launch out on my own full time. Any suggestions for finding, asking, working with an advisory committee? Well, you, you've kind of branched over, Nate, into a couple different terminologies here, which is perfectly fine. I mean, you can have a brainstorming group. You can have a mastermind group. You can have an advisory group. You can have a board of directors. Yeah, those are all a little different. What I would encourage you to do, instead of really trying to put together an advisory committee for a brand new business is just put together your own mastermind. So get people who are on the same path as you, people who would have just as much ability to contribute certainly as they do need to receive. But if you put together an advisory board, it implies you're going to be taking from those people. You know, it's tough to get people to commit to that, to give their time willingly. But if you get a mastermind, you can get immense amounts of time together with people who really do have the ability to provide new insight into what you're doing. I mean, the mastermind that I have is just unbelievable. The, the talent we have in there, the resources, the ideas, the money we have access to. I mean, there's nothing you could possibly need that's not available inside my mastermind. I would encourage you to do that. I mean, check out my mastermind, how to put together your own mastermind again, but I'd encourage you to, to put together a little mastermind. Now there are a couple groups in the 48days.net community that deal specifically with masterminds, how to do that and link you to those that are already up and running. So check out the resources, but just have as a goal 30 days from now. And don't wait until you are moved, moved into your business. Totally start now. You don't have a mastermind. I don't care if you work at McDonald's, you get in a mastermind group. And if you can't find one, create one, ask three or four other people, just start meeting. But we got some clear guidelines as to how to do that effectively. Thanks for your question. Great question. Yes, I believe very much Proverbs. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. I've drawn on that principle. Golly, since the day I was old enough to understand what it meant. But I mean, since I was a kid, I've drawn on that principle to look to the wisdom of other people and draw on that.
Jesse says, I found your podcast a month ago and I'm hooked. I've always wanted to have my own business, but the risk to my family scares my wife and me. I write computer software, websites, and mobile apps for a living, so I'd love to get into doing that privately, but I don't know how to find clients and worry that branching out on my own could leave our family in a tight place. As a young family of four, should my family come before pursuing a dream? Any advice? Wow, I really go back and forth. I'm, I'm thrilled and terrified as I read through your note. When, I, when you say you've always wanted to have your own business, but the risk to your family scares my wife and me. Now let's, let's just park on that a minute. If we look at a book like the millionaire mind, Thomas Stanley, wonderful book. He looks at what are the characteristics of people who end up extremely wealthy? People who are worth at least $10 million are the people that he interviewed for that book, the millionaire mind. They view risk pretty much exactly opposite as you've just described it here. You're describing going out on a business of your own. Let's say that you're going to have a little hot dog stand down here in second Avenue in Franklin, Tennessee, and you're going to have people walking by there every day. And you got 276 people that come by and buy a hot dog from you, or you can stay in your secure job where you get a paycheck every Friday. People who end up extremely wealthy see sitting in a cubicle, getting a paycheck every Friday as extremely risky. And they see having a little hot dog stand out here where you have 276 people come by every day to buy a hot dog as security far beyond what most people ever experience. Now, just think about that. Think, think about why. If you are working in a traditional job, and I'm not knocking traditional jobs, I'm just framing this in the way that you ask your question. If you're working a traditional job, you have one customer, one customer that being the company you work for. If that one customer decides they don't want you anymore, you are at zero. If you have 276 people that come by and buy your hot dogs and one decides they don't want to do business with you anymore, yeah, no big deal. You're still in pretty good shape. You have way more security for the ebb and flow of business and the economy and all that than you ever could possibly have in having a traditional job. So when you say then, as a young father, of four, should my family come before pursuing a dream? Rework how you're framing that. You should pursue your dream because you're a young father of four. When we think it's responsible to stay in something that doesn't really engage our very best talents, that doesn't really get us up out of bed in the morning, it doesn't give us a sense of joy and the thrill of achieving something extraordinary. I mean, that's not being responsible. That's blunting. That's putting a rug over the very best that God gave us to offer the world. So it's not, and now here's the thing about risk. Risk is when we do not have control. So if you do something where you have no control, you just go out and hope things work out. That's risky. Obviously that's not what we do in a business. If you know how to write computer software, do websites, mobile apps. I mean, get three or four clients. Wow. Three or four clients. I mean, this is what we go through all the time with our new coaching students. My goodness. If you have a very average coaching package at $1,500, which certainly would be an average kind of package. Wow. 
You don't, you don't need 300 customers. You don't need 276 people. You need three. What if you got three? That's $4,500 a month. For a lot of people, that in itself duplicates and surpasses their current income. I mean, we look, look at what you are talking about here. You don't need a whole lot of clients where you ought to be able to project going way beyond whatever your current salary is. So look at the fact that you are going to pursue your dream because you're a faithful husband and provider for your four children. Create a careful plan, walk that out. The results are going to be extraordinary. You're going to wish you had done it sooner. Well, we are already out of time. Time has passed quickly, as it always does here. Thanks for being part of this amazing community of big thinkers, people that see opportunities that others don't. Get involved in the 48days.net community. Let us know what your questions and successes are as we all are on this process of finding or creating work that is, in fact, purposeful, meaningful, and profitable. Don't settle for less.